Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza, writer at the Leafs Nation. Today we're going to be doing an off-season preview. Uh, we actually got the idea from uh, Pids88 on Twitter. Uh, we're, we were planning on copying the, the Buffalo Sabres podcast, Die by the Blade, uh, who did a mock off-season. So we started with that and uh, it is going to be quite a bit different. So, you know, Buffalo just has more cap space, they have more RFAs, they have more work to do. Um, so I think with the Leaf situation, we're going to be very focused on uh, just one or two moves, whether it be, I think a lot of the conversation will be on the defense. Uh, we'll talk about Anderson, maybe go through some of the forwards as well, Nick. But before we kind of get into targets, uh, whether that's free agency or trade, I just wanted to get your thoughts, Nick, just on the current state of the roster. So we, we saw Kapanen uh, on his way out. He's now at Pittsburgh. We saw CC and Barry that are probably going to hit free agency. Kyle Clifford's likely to hit free agency. Right now, uh, do nothing just with one extra forward, one extra defenseman. They have about $1.3 million in cap space, Nick. What are your thoughts just on this team if, if they did nothing? Yeah, I think that they are in a situation where I wouldn't really say it's doing nothing because they did bring in guys like Miko Letnin and Alexander Barabanov. Like, if they didn't make those moves they probably would have to make a move, like whether it's through trade or free agency. So I think that both those signings are quite important when we look at next year. Um, and they've kind of given them the privilege of not making a big deal uh, going forward other than the Kapanen one, obviously. So I think that they could run a defense of Muzzin Hall, Riley Dermott, um, and then Sandine and Lettinen, or maybe Lilligren maybe could... Um, compete for a spot i doubt he would though i do expect letnin to be there um letnin has said that he has played on the right side before even though he's a left shot so and dermot we've seen him on the right side we haven't seen him in the top four on the right side uh but i think it is something that's going to be in his future so like they would definitely be under the cap if they just did that and then barabanov you know it's tough to say whether he's can replace kapanen especially from a production standpoint but I think he's going to give them a little bit something different in that bottom six, a lot more skill and, and a guy that can play in tight. So they can certainly just kind of run that same core. They would not have um, Barry and CC. probably they lose Clifford uh, and then potentially sign Spezza back. So they definitely have that in their back pocket where they give kind of the big core of this one more run. But I do expect them to make a deal for a defenseman. It just just feels like they have the the... They have the picks for it. They have a few prospects that they could kind of dangle. And by the sounds of it, it sounds like, from what Dubas said, that he said that a, a few of their players have some really good value um, around the league. I would expect he's talking about Kerfoot, Janssen, maybe Engvall. Um, so I do expect them to make a move for a defenseman. Okay, so just to quickly go through this current roster here. So you'd have a very similar top six. You'd have... Something like Janssen, Matthews, Marner, Hyman, Tavares, Nylander. You can, you know, put the lines any way you want them, but that's probably the top six. You'd have Robertson, Kerfoot, and Mikhaev, assuming Robertson makes a team. Um, so no Kapanen in there, but you have Robertson to kind of to fill, fill in. And then you have Barabanov, Engvall, Spezza. I'm assuming Spezza's back in this example. Uh, you could put in any, you know, league minimum vet there. Uh, you could put Nick Batan there, whoever you want. Um, and then I just put an extra forward. I put Adam Brooks. You could put again Patan, uh, whoever you want. I'm not gonna Dennis Melgan. I'm not gonna obsess Melgan. I'm not gonna obsess over who's the last player. So I didn't put Evan Rodriguez in this example, but 
you'd have 1.3 million in cap space, so you could probably fit him in, especially if you're putting Brooks or, or the 13th forward down. Um, again, I don't want to fuss over the little details yet. But on, on terms of on defense, you'd have the same top pairing. You'd have Muzzin Hall. You'd have Riley with a new partner, whether it's Dermot, whether it's Lettinen, um, whether maybe even Lilligren if, if he takes a big step forward, though I doubt it. And then you have like Sandine and, and the other one of, of Lettinen and Dermot. And then someone like Marinson or, or Rosen uh, as a seventh defenseman and two goalies. So you do have some cap space there. I think, uh, you know, the top six it wasn't the problem last year, at least in the regular season. You'd be running that back. I think the third line's okay with, like, Robertson, Kerfoot, Mikhaev. I think the fourth line's pretty good. Uh, I will say that the top pairing, it's nice to have that going into an offseason. We haven't had that in the past. Um I do think that there is some addition by subtraction with with CC and Barry. Uh, Barry, especially on the defensive end, the Leafs need to get better defensively, and, and just Barry not being there should be an improvement. And then I think just CC, uh, you should be able to improve on on his lineup spot. So again, I don't think this is um, really a bad roster if they do nothing. I don't think they're in a position where they have to make drastic moves, but. Uh, it, it does seem like they are going to look to add a defenseman. We've been, you know, six, seven years here without a good partner or a stable partner for Morgan Riley. Nick, if we were put to put a percentage chance on it here, uh, what do you think the percent chances are that, that this team adds a defenseman to its top six? I'm going to say about 50%. I think that it's quite high, probably higher than a lot of people have, but I think it's just given the times that they need to make this move. Um, I don't think... Like, they kind of made that space through Kapanen, that Kapanen deal, I think, to be a lot more flexible coming into this offseason. I think a lot of teams are going to be making some big moves. So I think the Leafs want to be more flexible going into it. And also, we don't really know what next season's going to look like. Like, right now, Lilligren would probably be your seventh defenseman. I don't know if the Leafs should be comfortable with that. And that's no slight on, on Timothy Lilligren, but... I do think that seventh defenseman is going to be playing quite a bit. Um, we don't really know what the season's going to look like next year, but I, I just given how the bubbles are going to work or whatever. But I think if you're the Leafs, if you can get Sandine as your seventh or Lettinen as your seventh, then and you have kind of a rotation going on in your bottom pair, I think the Leafs would look pretty good. So I, I'm going to say 50%. I'm going to go even higher. I'm going to say about 70%. Uh, it just seems like they're likely to do so. But what I will say is, I think the Leafs have some pretty good depth on the back end right now. Like, the fact that they, if they add one more player, for example, let's say they get uh, Riley, the perfect partner, without subtracting from the roster, then, like, you got you got quite a bit of depth there. You have Dermot Lettinen and, and Sandine, three guys for your third pairing. Uh, then you'd have someone like Rosen, someone like Morinson, someone like Lilligren. Like, you'd have quite a bit of depth right now. So I think uh, if they do make an addition, and if, if you are going to spend, you know, north of $3 million, he's got to be a bit of a difference maker here. Because I think, like, it's not like he's replacing an awful player. Like, I think if you're taking someone like Lettinen out, or, or even, like, Sandino, you got to have a pretty good top four defenseman here. I think you're, you're really focused on quality, um, or you're just kind of getting a bargain seventh defenseman. But I guess my question here, Nick, is, you know, 
when we go and we were focused on on the defense, what are you kind of looking towards? Are you looking more towards free agency, or are you looking more towards trade? There's kind of, you know, on on the free agent route, uh, you don't have to give up anything. You can keep all your picks. You can keep all your prospects. But on the trade route, uh, you might get someone who's a little bit more affordable in terms of the cap, and we know the Leafs are close to the cap. What are you kind of leaning towards? Oof. I think it depends on who's available. Like you said, there's obviously some pros and cons to both sides. Um, I don't think that... Usually with the with UFAs, the biggest scare is that you overpay someone, whether it's in term or just AAV every year. I don't know if that's going to happen this year just because of how, my, how many UFA defensemen there are. Um, so and, and the other thing is I just don't think the Leafs are going to kind of commit a lot of term to an aging player um, on the UFA. So that's one thing. And then with trade, you know, it really depends on who the player is. Like you said, they have to be better than, you know, a, a certain amount better than uh, Dermot or Sandine or Letnin to rationalize trading away assets for that player. So, again, I think that that flexibility is going to be really important. Um, but to answer the question... I guess I'll say trade. I think that the Leafs have some pieces that they can move and they can get a younger defenseman than what they would get on free agency. Um, ideally, you get a cost-controlled player who's going to be there for a couple of years who can play those minutes. Um, again, But again, that list is extremely small. There's not that many players around the league that are like that and definitely not that many players around the league that you can trade for that... You know, you're not giving a significant piece back, or, or at least a piece that the Leafs would want to give back uh, for that player. So, I think it's definitely difficult. But I, I, I guess I would have to pick trade. It would be the better scenario if they're able to, to kind of keep most of their core pieces. Yeah, I think if they go out and get someone over, say, I would say about three and a half to four, like anyone in that range, um, or over that range rather. They're going to have to move someone. Like, I don't think you can go out and sign a TJ Brody without moving someone. Like, you're, you're probably then moving Janssen or Kerfoot. Um, so I guess before we get into specific targets here, Nick, um, what are your thoughts on moving one of those two? Because I know coming into the offseason, we were expecting you know, the three guys that we thought could be traded or were likely to be traded. Uh, we were thinking at least one of Janssen, Kerfoot, Kapanen. We've already seen Kapanen go. Um, they're both kind of intriguing trade targets for other teams because their their cap so Kerfoot's cap hits 3.5 million, Janssen's is 3.4 and they're both owed about 800,000 per year less than that. So if you're a if you're a team like Ottawa, if you're a team uh, like say the Coyotes that are, are going to be very cash conscious especially after the pandemic, I think those those players are, are pretty good deals especially at their, you know, their actual salary rather than their cap hit um so what are your thoughts on moving them i guess my concern is like we just played we just saw a columbus series where they got shut out in two games almost got shut out in, in a third game it was a five game series i thought the scoring depth was a big problem in that series so i do think it's kind of a, a tough area to subtract even further but they did add evan rodriguez you know maybe they can add a, a, a forward or two on an entry-level contract what what are your what's your thoughts on Janssen and Kerfoot specifically? Uh, yeah, so if you asked me that like a month ago before the Kapanen deal, I think that 
certainly I would have been lower on trading them. But after seeing what the return for Captain was, and just kind of getting more value than I think Captain was going to be for the Leafs, um, I'm definitely more open to trading Janssen, especially Janssen, a guy that I think had a really tough season, uh, shot a low shooting percentage, had trouble with injuries. But I think for another team, he's a really good option to trade for, just uh, almost like a, a really good buy low candidate. But if Dubis can get appropriate value or even more value for Janssen than what he's kind of worth, I, I think he's a, a legitimate top six winger, but has just battled injuries. Um, but I definitely think he can play some in top sixes around the league, it's, including the Leafs. Um, but if you can get value for that, I I would not be I, w- I would definitely be down for that, especially if they're going to upgrade the the blue line. Kerfoot's a bit trickier because I, I think just because he plays center, I thought he really came into his own uh, in the playoffs, especially in his puck carrying and, and just transportation in general. Um, and then with that, it's like who's going to replace Kerfoot on the third line at center? Uh, we saw that when Kerfoot went up onto the Tavares line, like that third line really, really struggled, whether it was Engvall as a third-line center, whether it was Spezza. Um, it really struggled. So I do think Kerfoot's quite important for that third-line center position. And we've kind of been just spoilt with having Kadri there the last couple of years. So if you lose Kerfoot, you really need a, a pretty good player. You're definitely not as good as Kadri per se, but you definitely need a good player in that third line center. So it definitely re- it definitely depends on the return for those guys. But uh, Dubas did say that he he feels that a lot of his players have good values. So I mean, if you can turn those into some good assets, that I would definitely be. Yeah, I think I'm kind of open minded to trading both of them. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious. Like Evan Rodriguez kind of puts a, a good mystery into this these things where it's like. You know, what if they get Rodriguez for like 1.3 and they save, you know, a little bit over 2 million on Kerfoot? Like, is Rodriguez the new third line center? And if you have really good wingers, it might make sense. I'm not sure I see that right now. Um, but I, I do think if you move a guy like Janssen or Kerfoot, I'd probably want uh, somehow to get a good entry level contract or, or close to it um, on the roster just because it is looking. You know, you're going to really, if you trade Kerfoot or if you trade Janssen, you're kind of really uh, hurting your forward depth uh, that's already a little bit depleted after losing Kapanen. Like, I do like Bear, I do like Bear Banov, I do like Robertson, but, you know, they're going to be rookies. Um, I don't want to really bank on them. I'd rather just have them as, like, a bonus if they do play well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think, obviously, the first question is who can you add in the, on defense? How much are they going to cost? How good of a deal can you get? Um, and I guess I would be prepared to move them. It's just, it, it is something you have to consider if, if you're going to go out and get someone like TJ Brody that, you know, maybe a guy like, like Kerfoot or Johnson will have to move. So um, let's get into, I guess before we get into the defense here, uh, the other big topic right now is, is Frederick Anderson. Um, people are thinking that he might move. It sounds like Anderson himself thinks he might move. He's a year away from free agency. There's tons of goalies on the market. Uh, he's coming off a disappointing year. Uh, he's been disappointing in, in big games in the playoffs. Um, and in term, what are your th- what are your thoughts on trading Anderson uh, in, in the either before the draft or, or during the free agency period? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Leafs goaltender? Yeah, I think all things considered, I do expect him to move. Uh, I don't think a move is gonna take place though until 
we kind of are around free agency and we see kind of how the dominoes fall there. Um, but just like you said, all things considered, uh, you think, look at his past season, you look at his playoff performances over the years, he has one year left. Um, I just can't see them taking him into this last year. Um, and, and I don't expect them to extend him. So I do think this is the this is the off season where you have to make a move. Uh, well, they don't have to make a move. There's you know there's a, there's still a chance that they come back with him, especially if they don't like the other options. But um, I've seen a lot of things online saying, you know, is, is there a goalie that's good enough that you know for sure is going to be better than Frederick Anderson? But I do think there's a bunch of trade targets that you can go with that, and there's some some teams that are looking to move goalies that you could potentially get a better goalie for cheaper than Anderson. And I think there's a, a lower risk, um, you know, all things considered, than taking Anderson to, into this last year. Now, would it be a big deal for Dubas to kind of trade Anderson and then let's say this next goalie doesn't play very well? Yes, for sure. But I do think it's just a bigger risk taking him into this last season. And if he has another bad season and then next offseason or, or whatever, the goalie pool isn't as big as this offseason, then I could see them running into some problems. Also, And also when you look at this playoffs, there was a, a tweet that just came out actually, I think it was this morning, talking about how many goalies were used throughout this uh, playoffs thus far, and I think it was 30. So a lot of teams are kind of doing that goalie tandem right now, um, and I think the Leafs would want to spend less on their goalie tandem than they are right now. Um, especially if they're not really getting the results they, you know, that other teams are getting. So uh, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd probably say around like 30-40% that I think Anderson's going to be moved. Um, maybe even higher. Okay, my I guess 30% is right around where I would fall. Um, for me, the, the question really isn't about return for Anderson. Um, I think people are going to be surprised with the return if he does get traded because goalies typically do not command much of a return um anderson's coming off a 909 save percentage he's got one year left it's a crowded goalie market so teams have other options uh what is is in in his favor is that he just has one million left in actual cash so i think there's some value in that but like robin leonard uh, he got traded from Chicago to Vegas. He had a 918 with Chicago. He had a 930 save percentage with the Islanders a year before. And he only got a second round pick, and it's a late second. Um, and you remember, like, I know Leafs fans will remember the James Reimer to San Jose trade where they got basically nothing. Like, I think at best would be a late first, or, you know, maybe you have a middle six forward on a, on a cheap deal. Um, but you can't really risk not having a good starter. So I think the return is kind of secondary here. Uh, you know, the best case scenario is to probably get like the 25th overall pick if I'm just using draft picks. Um, the worst case is probably like a late second. So, you know, I don't think there's a huge, like a ton of difference in value there. Like I'm not too concerned about the value. My question is like, can you solve your long-term goaltending question this year? Because it's probably going to be a little bit easier to do so this year, given the market. Uh, if there's a good deal... You, you, like you might as well like whether it's Leonard, whether it's Markstrom, uh, if the goal if the Leafs get a goalie they like and they think is a good number one starter on a good deal, then sure, then you look to to move Anderson. But until that happens, I think they're going to keep him. 
Um, I guess the only exception would be like if you got a no doubt about it offer for Anderson, like say Carolina is like, okay, like we have an extension ready for him. We're willing to give up the 13th pick. Like I don't see that happening whatsoever. I'd be shocked. But if something like that, if something like that came along, then okay, maybe then you do it and you figure out your goalie situation later. But like that's with any player. Like if any team gives you an like a ridiculous offer for any player, um, you know, 13th overall for any rental is a good deal, pretty much. Um, so, like I, I just don't see uh, them moving him without getting a quality goaltender back. I don't really think the cap is going to be a big difference maker. Like I think whether it's uh, whether it's Markstrom, whether it's Leonard, whether it's someone even on the cheaper end like Grace or, or like. Um, like say you traded for Matt Murray, I don't think there's going to be a huge cap difference there, um, enough to really sway things. Um, the one guy I'd be interested in, I'd be interested in uh, Arizona's goalies, so Kemper and, and Ranta, especially Kemper coming off the year he had. Like if if they would retain, Kemper makes four point five for two years. If they retain for a bigger haul, that could make sense for the Leafs. Like if they're just re, if they're just kind of buying cap space from them. Um, like something like that might might interest me, but really I think the question is, you know, can you solve your long term goaltending situation? Uh, if you get a, a deal you really like, then great, you might as well do it. If not, then then you can put this into last off, like next off season. I'm comfortable going back with with Anderson if needed. Uh, so I just wouldn't force anything there. I guess that's my uh, that's my stance on the goaltending situation. Any goalies that really stand out to you, Nick? I know you know there's. There's Leonard who might sign in Vegas, you know, trade route with Murray. Is there anyone in particular that really interests you? Um, yeah, I, I guess Darcy Kemper as well. Um, I know Alexander Gorgiev has been thrown around. <laughs> I, maybe the Rangers GM is kind of um, has lowered his his trade value of Alexander Gorgiev, but he's a player that I think kind of didn't have the best year this year. But I think that that's a player that if you want to solve your your long-term goaltending situation i think he's a player that could um other than that i think you touched upon most of them um it's just it's just a pretty big pool this year and, and i just don't see it being as big next off season um and i think i read somewhere that you know anderson likes to be comfortable and that taking him into that last year and just in terms of his own stability and, and how he how he plays might not be the best idea I wouldn't put too much into that, but it's just something to, to think about. Um, but even that aside, his age, the chances of him extending, whether they should extend him, um, and then the pool is is just what really drives my kind of uh, hope that they do trade him this uh, offseason. Yeah, I think with, like, I'm not too concerned about bringing him into the last year just based on, you know, like Markstrom was in a contract year, had a good year. Leonard himself was in a contract. A lot of these guys were in their contract years and, and had good years. Like, I, I'm not too concerned from that perspective. I think the Leafs need to basically ask themselves, like, is, is Anderson our guy this year? Do we expect him to, to have that, you know, 9-18, 9-15 that, that we're accustomed to from him? Or do we think he had a serious and kind of permanent drop-off last year? And so then I guess the other question, let's say he gets a 9-18 this year. Yeah. And... For whatever reason, they lose in the first round next year. Let's say Anderson was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Doesn't let in very many like soft goals in the playoffs or whatever. Do you extend him? And let's say he wants four years, five years on his deal. Do you extend him? Um, you know, probably not. I don't. I don't think. 
I think the Leafs are, are kind of uncomfortable. Like, they don't have a ton of money, right? So I, I do think that by keeping him, you are putting this into next offseason. But if you think he's an, if you think he's going to bounce back, like, there's good value there of having a 9-15, goalie, even for one year. Uh, I don't think the return that you're going to get for him is, is really worth moving that unless you're getting a, a permanent guy. So my question is, like, who is your best bet to get you a 9, you know, a 9.15 plus save percentage for the next, first of all, for next year. Uh, if, if you do have someone on the free agent market that you think you can do that and you think is going to do that for a pretty good price going forward, then sure, make the move. Otherwise, I think you just kind of, you give it a year, you let Anderson ride it out. So I'm going to say about 30% they move him. I'm not sure that they're going to get the perfect goalie deal, but if they can, and, and you know, I would certainly explore options, uh, I'm just not 100% sure if, if that player will, will come up. I don't really want Matt Murray. Uh, I, I don't really want to go the, the cheap route with, with Bryce. Uh, I want kind of a, a, a 1A starter. Um, you know, I don't really know what to think of Markstrom. He's coming off an injury. I think he might re-sign in, in Vancouver. I think Leonard might re-sign in Vegas. We'll see. But um, I guess the Leafs have some time here. They, they kind of have some flexibility. I hope Dubis is using basically all the the flexibility he he has here. Yeah, they. Um, I, I just don't know if you're gonna find a goalie unless. Actually, I can't even know. But the thing with goalies, they're so unpredictable. So I don't know if you're gonna get a goalie that potentially you're gonna say for sure long term they're gonna give you nine eighteen for example. So you pretty much have to roll the dice with some of these goalies and, and hope that they have a good year. So I don't know if we're going to get, like, let's say they, like even Anderson, like we don't know if he's going to have a year like he did this year or last year. It's, it's so hard to predict with goalies. Um, so I think just because of that, you know, uncertainty, I wouldn't want to take Anderson with this last year. But again, like, I just don't think they're going to get a guy um, unless they really swing for the fences that you're going to say, for sure, you're going to get the next couple of years at 918. But, I mean, that's kind of the, the trouble with goalies. There's so many external factors that, that depend on it. And uh, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I guess my, like, I know there's a lot of unpredictability. And you look at, I think that's why you don't, you know, sign a goaltender for $10 million like Bobrovsky. But I basically <laughs> want someone who, in the last, like, someone who did it either last year has a pretty good track record of like 915 plus like um you know like Leonard Mark like maybe Markstrom um like maybe Kemper I want someone with that track record I, I don't really want to, to gamble on a goalie that's like 910 and you're hoping that he gets better that's kind of where I stand on that but I think we're pretty much aligned um with Anderson where we think it's about th- around 30 percent chance he's moved um and, and the Leafs are kind of going to the Leafs are kind of going to see what they can do uh, and then make a, a decision on Anderson after. Is, is that correct? Realign there? Definitely. Okay, perfect. So we can move so, on to the defenseman for sure. I think that's the, the meat and potatoes of this this podcast and what people really want to listen to. Yeah, I think. So in terms of the forwards, I don't think there's really much to touch on here. Um, so I'm just going to like fly right through this. I just think like if, if they do at a defenseman, they have to cut Kerfoot Janssen, then maybe you're looking at guys on ELCs, guys on, you know, league minimum deals, Wayne Simmons. But I think the forward core is pretty much going to, it's going to stay pretty similar. 
Um, that's all I'm going to really say about the forwards. I don't really think there's much to dive into yet. Uh, unless they do move, you know, Kerfoot or Janssen, then we'll we'll kind of readjust and, and discuss later. But in terms of defense, Nick, the one thing I'll say is that it is nice to kind of have a top pairing heading into the offseason. We haven't really had that in the past. Uh, Muzzin Hall was, 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 were good together. They were effective together. I think you can run that back. I don't think Hall is really like a, a, a sure top pairing defenseman, but that pairing worked together. You can You can bring it back and be pretty happy, I think. Also, the third pairing, there's plenty of options there that I'll like, whether it's Sandy Dermott, Sandy Lettinen, Lettinen Dermott. Kind of put whatever combination you want. I think it's it's a pretty fine third pairing. Really, the question here is, is who plays with Morgan Riley. And before, I, before we get into specific targets, the one thing I want to mention is the expansion draft coming up in a year. If you go and trade for, let's say you trade for Josh Manson. Let's say you give up. I don't know, just a, let's say picks for Josh Manson. He's got two years left. Now in the expansion draft, you are protecting Riley, Muzzin, Manson. Unless you're you know, doing a big trade for Riley next offseason. But chances are those are your three. So then you're, you're, letting, you're letting Seattle have their choice between Hall and Dermott. Like if Dermott has a breakout year, you, you might be kind of stuck. Um I guess my question, Nick, is is what's your evaluation of Travis Dermott? What do you think his chances are of having a breakout year in the top four? And how much does that weigh into your decision of either, you know, trading someone with term or signing a free agent who wants no move protection? Like if, if TJ Brody's like, I'll, I'll sign here for a price you like, but I want no move protection. I want to make sure I'm not going to Seattle. I want to be one of those three defensemen protected. How does that impact your decision? Yeah, it's definitely another big thing that you have to think about. Um, not only, like we said, where you need a player that's a decent amount better than Dermot, uh, but yeah, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I think that, obviously, I, I do have really high hopes for Travis Dermot. I love his skill set. Um, I do think he's going to be a top four defenseman. I think he could play it this year, really. Uh, I just don't know if you want to take that chance if you're the Leafs. Um, like, for example, if TJ Brody, like you said, asked for that, I think I would probably give it to him if he's giving me good term and a good AAV. Yeah, I, I, t- I don't know if you saw it. I tweeted out a comparison between Dermot and Nate Schmidt last night. Did you see it? I did not, no. Okay, so it was, I just kind of off the top of my head, I was watching Vegas, and both Schmidt and Dermot are left shots that play the right side. They're really good on their edges, really good skaters. Schmidt's so a bit older, com- right? Uh, he is, yeah. So I compared Dermott's three seasons in the NHL to Schmidt's last three seasons in Washington. And pretty similar across the board. Like, uh, I'll pull it up here, but my concern is, is if Dermott has that breakout year, and, and he's quite young, I think people kind of forget how young Dermott is and, and, you know, what the breakout year is for most defensemen. Like, I'm looking at, Rasmus Anderson had a good year this year for, for Calgary. Ryan Pollock finally had a good year for, for the Islanders. But they took some time. And so so just looking at the two, um, they're off by four points. They were, you know, pretty similar in terms of points per 60. They both played 31% of their of their team's time at 5-on-5. Five five. Very similar, you know, PK usage, power play usage. Very similar in terms of offensive zone starts, defensive zone starts. 
they both had a very similar, you know, five on five goals for percentage, five on five Corsi for percentage, five on five expected goals for percentage, um, and Dermot actually had higher WAR. And if you look at the numbers, like if you if you didn't know, if you didn't watch the Leafs and you just looked at things like RAPM, things like you know goals above replacement, Dermot looks like a, a sure top four defender. Like he is in like the 80 plus percentile. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned with moving him. He already has great numbers. Uh, if he has a big breakout year like Schmidt did later in his career. Uh, and I think once he gets stronger and becomes a little bit more of a physical beast, like I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to give anyone that kind of assurance unless it's, you know, a can't miss player or unless I'm prepared to move Riley next offseason or move, you know, someone else next offseason. So I'm going to be very, before we end the free agency here, I'm just going to be very um, hesitant to give anyone that kind of protection in the expansion draft, which might, uh, I guess, limit the options here. But let's start with, let's go to, let's start with free agents here. I just think it's the most kind of the simplest. Um, let's quickly touch on Petrangelo. Do you think there's any chance? Um, well, today, actually, there was a tweet that came out saying that Petrangelo right now, his negotiations aren't going really as smoothly as I, I guess some people thought they were. Um, looks like they Petrangelo wanted around $8 million, um, and they weren't giving it to him. And that now obviously take this stuff with a grain of salt. This is obviously speculation. Um, and then they also said that if it wasn't for Petrangelo's wife, who is a St. Louis native, that Petrangelo would be looking elsewhere. It would be a lot easier for him to leave. So... I think one is, I do think Petrangelo will resign, um, so that kind of lowers the chances of him coming to the Leafs. And then also the other thing is the Leafs are going to have to make a ton of room for him. Um, if they did, let's say it's eight mil, then right now they only have like you said one point three, so they're going to have to move a couple of pieces, and then that deal is going to be most likely long term. So obviously a low chance that he's come to the Leafs still. Um, but would be the perfect piece to come in. Riley would pro- would finally get that top four defenseman um, in order to play. Obviously, has that Stanley Cup pedigree. Uh, can eat up minutes. Can penalty kill. Can play on the power play if the Leafs need it. Um, just great defensive metrics over the years. So uh, definitely the perfect guy. But when you when you take cap and 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 everything, it's it's a lot less likely. What's your put a percentage on it for me here? I'm gonna go five. Yeah, I'll go. Slightly less than five. I just think uh, a couple of reasons. One, I expect him to to resign in St. Louis, um, just because he's the captain there, and I know, you know, I just think because they can offer him an extra year. Uh, I'm also just scared of paying him. He's thirty. Uh, he's the same draft class as Doty and, and Eric Carlson. You look how they've fallen off. Obviously, Carlson's was a little bit injury related, but uh, I'd be very scared to give him seven years, especially what they're giving their top players right now. Um, I think, you know, you'd, you'd be having, like, you're five on when you have Tavares still here. Um, that's when I'd really be concerned. You'd be paying quite a bit to two aging players. Uh, I just think it shrinks the competitive window quite a bit. I love Petrangelo. I think he's the perfect fit. I'm just, you know, I'm pretty scared of signing him, and I don't think you can really do it without moving, you know, a, a big piece or, or, you know, whether it's Riley, whether it's Nylander, whether it's Marner, you got to move someone. So I'm going to say, like, one percent um so yeah we won't spend too much time on petrangelo just because i don't think uh, it's a low chance 
Yeah. yeah, I think the odds aren't all that good. Yeah, not at all. Let's go to uh, the other players, and you can correct me here if you don't agree, but uh, there's some players that are, are you know, probably going to get paid a decent amount, but I just don't think they're fits. Um, Tyson Berry being one, uh, Tori Krug, uh, Eric Gustafson, and Justin Schultz. Uh, these, to me, are all offensive defensemen. I don't think they're what the Leafs are really looking for. Um, you know, in the case of Krug and Gustafson, they're left shots. Uh, none of them really kill penalties as far as I know. Uh, I think it'd kind of be like a Barry 2.0 situation. They're probably going to get paid quite a bit because they put up points. You know, Krug's a good player. I just don't think, you know, that's the fit. Do you have any objections to that? Uh, no, definitely not. Krug played with Brendan Carlo, kind of helped him out quite a bit. And then they also had uh, McAvoy Char take on top competition over there. So uh, I know Pierre Maguire had that, that sheltering comment about him. Um, I guess he was kind of sheltered to a certain extent, but definitely not to the extent that Pierre Maguire was talking about. Uh, I think that he could probably play top competition for another team, but Boston just has that luxury of, of already having McAvoy there uh, to do that job. So I don't think the Leafs are going to be um, in contention for Tory Krug, so we can move on to, to kind of the, the more likely ones. Okay, the two that really stand out to me are TJ Brody and Dylan DeMello. Are those the two that really stand out to you, or do you have other names? Uh, have other names, but those guys definitely stand out. I mean, TJ Brody, the Leafs looked like they were going to be trading for him last year. Um, and then for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. Uh, he's kind of more of an option where if you're signing TJ Brody, you know, you're going to have him most likely for a few years and he's probably good enough to play that fourth, sorry, the, to be their fourth defenseman into that top four. So with him, um, it just depends on what the term is. You know, anytime you have any of these free agents, you know that there might be a little bit of a drop-off. Um, so that's the thing with TJ Brody, but at least you know you're going to get a quality defender. Yeah, I do think that he would be a very good partner for Riley, and we do know that they were interested in him last offseason. Uh, he had great impacts this year in terms of RPM. He was more average in previous years, but this is a guy that has has been on the right side of Giordano for years. Uh, he can kill penalties. He's, you know, uh, he'd be the best partner Riley's had, that I can remember at least. Uh, he'd certainly bring some stability there. Uh, my concern is that he's 30. Uh, you know, he's probably going to need four years. So if he comes to you and he wants like four years, like north of $5 million, is that too, too rich? I think so. Yeah, I think that's slightly too rich for me too. Um I do think it's going to probably take four years. Um, I'd be hoping to get under five before I'm kind of considering it, or right at five. Um, I would be interested. I would definitely inquire. I just, I guess the question is then, like, if you sign Brody, A, do you get to protect him in the expansion draft? Um, because if you don't, that's pretty valuable to me. Because if I can just be like, I'll sign you for one year, get your best year. If they take you, so what? Um, I'll make, I'm right back where I started. That kind of makes sense to me, um, but I do think that he might resign in Calgary just because you know they have Hamonic, also a UFA. We'll get to him later, um, and, and they kind of have a need as well. And I don't know. I, I what do you think? I think he's kind of on the short list though of, of targets. Would you agree? Definitely, especially when you look at the free agents. When it comes to Demello, I think I'm a little bit lower on his just overall play than a lot of people. Um, when I think about someone with, with Morgan Riley, I want someone that 
not only is strong defensively, and I'll get to that with DeMello as well, but but just someone who who can make a good first pass. I think we've just seen so many players that, like so many of Riley's pair, uh, partners would have to defer back to Riley. Um, and we've seen them kind of getting targeted, like Ron Hainsey comes to mind, Roman Polak. I mean, you could go down the list. I don't think DeMello is, is as bad as those guys in terms of, of puck moving. I, I certainly think he's okay, but... I just want someone that has like a lot higher of a clip in terms of um, just like passing exits and and just just attempts. Like he has a really low clip, for example, just using charting hockey's transition data. Like really low clips at attempts for sixty and and possession exits percentage. Like I, I would want someone a little bit better in terms of that because I want someone that on the right side, especially if you're going to sign him or trade for him, um, that can hold his own doesn't have to be like a Travis Dermott, for example, but I do want someone that doesn't really need to defer to his partner a lot. Um, yeah, I think Brody's kind of a, you know, kind of gets a tweener in that regard. I like DeMello. I think he has, he had really good RAPM impacts this year. He's 27, so he's younger. He's a right shot. Uh, he can kill penalties. So I think he would be cheaper than Brody. Like, I expect he'd come in under four. If he's getting over four, I'm starting to get a bit uncomfortable but if he wants like you know in the threes somewhere i'm definitely interested i think uh, it just fits the leafs cap situation more uh, i guess the other thing with like a guy like brody is like what if i guess the question is like what if um you're halfway d- done year one and Dermot looks amazing and you want him in your top four like i i don't know if brody is is you don't really want him on your third pair based on what you're paying him at least the is a little bit more uh, like it, it'd be a little bit easier to stomach if he's you know making under four. Um, yeah, so I, I yeah. I'd have him on my short list. I just think Brody's going to be too expensive. Like, yeah, really- that's the problem with Brody. Definitely, I think he's definitely better than Demello. But again, I guess, I guess price is the problem. The thing with Demello is that he's pretty much had two seasons of playing top four minutes. Yeah, and this year he did have a very good season. Um, but last year, which is the only other season he's had top four minutes. He wasn't very good defensively, so, and definitely wasn't that big of a difference from Travis Dermott, especially of how I think he could play this year. So I think there is a problem of how much better is DeMello than Dermott, where I think in the next two years you could see Dermott make that that overleap over DeMello, and it's a lot less likely that that would happen if it's TJ Brody. But again, price is the problem with TJ Brody. So I think both of them do have their pro- their kind of issues. Um, so they're not really perfect targets, but probably the better targets out of the free agents. So what kind of price are you looking at for DeMello where you might consider it? So I've been using Evolving Wilds. Um, they were really cool. Yeah, they're really cool. So I'm going to actually see what DeMello is here. So he's at 2.8. So that's definitely a lot easier to stomach than TJ Brody's. I, th- I, I think he's going to get more. Um like he's kind of the number the player that because he had a late breakout like he's I, I think he's kind of probably better than than what the numbers like I think he's gonna get the threes for sure especially after you know Paul Maurice called his game coaches porn which is pretty funny um so say it's like three point four like the Janssen the Janssen deal right is that you're considering that uh, again I'm lower on him I would not I would. 
maybe consider it. I don't think I would do it in the end, just given the inconsistency of his play the last two years um, when he's been given the top four minutes. And I just don't think there's a big enough gap between him and Dermot or what Dermot could be in the next year. So I'm very interested in it, but I have some... Uh, I have some... like. What's the word I'm looking for here? Doubts, maybe? I need some things to happen. I, I need some things to happen. So uh, I like that, and again, he's, he's from London, so he's um, he's local. Maybe you've got a decent chance if you have two similar offers. Um, one thing I want is, A, I don't want to have to protect him in the expansion draft, and B, I want to be able to front load his deal. So if I'm going to give him north of $3 million, um, after, you know, year one so, something like Janssen where like he's only owed like 2.5 in real cash that way it's I can get out of that deal if, if you know Dermot has a big year or uh, I just want to use the cap space elsewhere or he doesn't perform well and I want to make a change I think DeMello is probably more likely than Brody just because uh, because of cost right. I think he's going to be you know, at least a million and a half cheaper, and, and that's going to be a key 1.5 million for the Leafs. I do think he's a, a top four defenseman. I, I would take a chance on him. It's just, I really, if I'm signing him, I really want to know that I can get out of that deal uh, after year one if I have to. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I like I said, I'm a little bit lower on him, but, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Let's move on to, uh, let's move on. The other player who has good impacts would be Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, he's brutal three years ago. He was pretty good in, with the Rangers. He's, he's got really good impacts with Tampa. More of an offensive defenseman, not really a prototypical you know, guy that kills penalties. Um, I don't really think it's a great fit. I guess I'd consider it if he wanted to come here. Is that kind of your sense on that, or is he high on your target list? No, he, he actually isn't, just because of... He's had two good seasons in a row of being pretty good defensively, I would say. Um, but again, just some inconsistency there and age and um, just the type of defenseman that he is. Like you said, I just want someone, if you are going to move to get a defenseman for Morgan Riley, um, you want him to kind of fit that mold of, of being a pretty good puck mover, being good defensively. And I just don't think Kevin Shattenkirk has all those things. Yeah, unless he's like really cheap, I don't think it's really likely. Um, let's go through. I guess is there anyone else on your on the free agent specifically? I'm talking unrestricted free agents that uh, really interest you. Like there's Chris Tanev, Travis Hamonic, Justin Braun. Those are all you know defensive defensemen. Um, that I guess there's questions with how they move the puck or questions with age. Uh, is there anyone else who really stands out to you? I'll comment on Radko Gudis, who um, a lot of people have been talking about. It's funny because even I am, even though there's been so much talk about him, I'm kind of on the fence about him. Uh, He's had a number of good seasons, like since I think like 2014, 2015. I don't have it up right now, but he had like three or four really good seasons of having really good defensive impacts. And then this year, um, after playing with Washington, his he had a lot more third-pairing minutes than he did in the past, um, and then his defensive impacts weren't that good. So it depends on what the model is. Some models have him 
being really good um, over the past couple of years. But, but like, for example, like hockey Viz's isolated impacts this year didn't have him very good. But he is definitely going to add an element that the Leafs don't have. Um, not really the best skater, obviously, given it, especially just given his size, but he does have that. He's definitely going to clear the net. He's going to win battles below, um, below the goal line. And he can hold his own when it comes to moving the puck. But if you can get him, you know, pre this year, like get that defensive player who can hold his own in terms of moving the puck and add all that size and, and I guess we'll use testosterone, um, then I think he's intriguing. But you definitely don't want to get the player that was this year, especially if uh, you're going to put him next to Riley and have him play top four minutes. Yeah, I think... I don't know. I, I haven't really liked what I've seen of him in, in the playoffs in past years. I think he's more of a third-pairing guy. Like, you can try him in the top four. And, and you know, maybe on the cheap route, it, it makes some sense. Um, right. I, I kind of put him in the tier with... You know, I think Chris Tannen's going to be too expensive for what he brings. He just has really rough impacts, and he's injury-prone, so I'm, I'm kind of kind of skeptical on Tanev. Um, yeah, the injuries is a big thing with Tanev. Hamannick had a really good year by the metrics this year, but he, you know, he's been kind of rough in the past. You know, I kind of put Hamannick in the same boat as, as Gudis. Um, just looking here. Uh, Justin, Justin Braun, too, like... Braun has good impacts in the in the past defensively. He just can't really move the puck. I kind of put all those guys in the same boat where, you know, I'll I'll I'd consider them for like less than two million if you know they're gonna fill a just a depth role and, and I can scratch them if I want to or I can put them on the third pairing, um, or at least tr- just try them with Riley. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's anyone that really excites me there. It's more like you know, if, if I think you kind of try to, to get a, a real difference maker first, whether it's free agency or trade. Um, and I, I don't I think those are more of like fallback options. Is that kind of where you're at? Yeah, especially with the UFAs this year, other than and, you know, we talked about Petrangelo. But other than that, they're kind of like last ditch. Nothing else works, but we need to make an improvement or need to kind of get a right shot in there. Then then, yeah, you go that route. OK, yeah. I, the other guys I like. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk has pretty good impact, so if you're going to go that route, uh, I like him. I also like Mark Pizik, who has good impacts in the past. This year he didn't, but he was playing a lot of forward just because they had so many defensemen. Um, like They're not kind of the established top four defensemen that you're looking for, but I think they can help you defensively. I think they can you know, fill a depth role. Uh, you can scratch them if you need to. If, if, you know, you're, you, if Lilligren looks amazing midseason, you can know scratch them whatever it's not like they're gonna get paid all that much i'm kind of talking myself into the cheaper route now um but let's let's go kind of towards the trade i guess the other guys like troy stetcher i think he's a bit i don't mind him i just don't think he really fits what the leafs are looking for you don't really want to bring ron hainsey back um i think sammy vatanen i don't really think he fits what the leafs are looking for he's okay i just think stetcher is a rfa though right Stetcher's an RFA, but he's likely not going to get a he's likely not going to get a qualifying offer, so he's likely going to be a UFA. Oh, interesting. But yeah, he's an interesting player because there was those rumors that they might move 
bury for Stetra at the deadline. Um, I wrote about him a little bit a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, like you said, he's not really the player that like the model player that you want next to Riley, um, but just like a, a guy that you don't need to really give up as many pieces uh, for probably not many pieces at all, and he comes cheap. And a guy yeah. that could potentially play in the top four, but again, not that kind of big defensively sound defenseman that you're really looking for. Yeah, I think like unless he's a bargain and you can't say no, I, I don't really think he's the fit. Um, I think Joel Edmondson's probably too expensive. He shoots left. So I probably wouldn't go that route. Um, I kind of like Joachim Ryan as like a seventh defenseman signing. Um, but again, that's kind of different. And then uh, the other one, Zach Bogosian, would be like, he's looked pretty good in Tampa, but doesn't have the best track record in terms of impacts. Like, if he's really cheap and you want to, you know, have him as a placeholder, maybe. I'd, I'd prefer not to go that route. But um, yeah, so I think. You kind of look at what Brody and DeMello cost. Uh, Brody's probably going to be too expensive. Uh, DeMello, if, if he's willing to be flexible, might make some sense. Um, and if you could front-load that deal and, and not protect them. Um, and like then I'm kind of looking at the bargain bin if, if you know Brody and DeMello don't work and if you don't really have a trade that makes sense. Uh, are we kind of aligned there? Yeah, yeah, I think we can move on to the trade candidates. Um, okay, let's go. Let's go trade. There's, there's quite a bit here. Um, I guess the, the issue is now is that you're, you know, a couple issues here. One is that you you might be giving up a pretty good asset. Whether it's like if you want if you want a, a legitimate top four defenseman, uh, like an established one, you're, you're probably giving up a first round pick, whether it's this year's or next. Uh, or or a pretty good you know roster player, uh, and then as I said, like it, if you're getting someone who's controllable, then that really limits you in it could limit you in the expansion draft. Like if you go out and get a Brodine, um, and let's start with Brodine. Uh, I I really like him. I think he's a great fit. Um, just you know he's fast. He can play the right side. He's unreal defensively, uh, both by my eye test and by the impacts. What are your thoughts on Brodeen um, and, and Minnesota's chances of moving him? I'm a big fan of Brodeen. I think he's exactly what the Leafs need, a guy that can um, eat a lot of minutes, penalty kill. He's good defensively, um, can hold his own when he's moving the puck. Literally exactly what they need as a, as a partner for Riley. Um, yeah, I think it just comes down to what the Leafs need to trade um, in order to get Brodeen and whether Minnesota is going to move him. The big thing with Minnesota is they're currently looking for centers, a uh, top six center. I don't know if Kerfoot's going to be that center um, that they would really have a lot of interest in to fill in that role. Um, so that's where the big problem is. They have some pretty good wingers there. Uh, Bill Guerin, their new GM, has said that he is looking to, to switch things up over there and make some big moves. I just don't know if the Leafs have the right pieces that Minnesota would be very interested in. Um, so I, I think that's just where the problem is with Brodeen. But just like in a vacuum, he is the perfect player that the Leafs need. Yeah, so I'll start with Minnesota. Well, I'll start with, I guess, the Leafs need. So uh, Dubas had said that uh, when he acquired the 15th pick, like if you would move it, he said they'd be looking for someone like Jake Muzzin. 
And Brodeen is just like Jake Muzzin. He's a shutdown defenseman uh, with a long track record. Uh, he's he's played on the second pairing uh, in in Los Angeles. They used to put Muzzin on the second pairing, often with Martinez. Here they have Brodeen uh, playing behind Ryan, Ryan Suter. Um, so very very similar players. Uh, I think Brodeen is probably a little bit worse offensively, but maybe even better defensively. Um, so it is a great fit. Um, and I, I guess the question is, oh, and I guess from the wild side is they're going to move one of Dumba or Brodine, it seems. Uh, again, they have the expansion draft coming up. They don't really want to protect four defensemen. They're already protecting Suter and Spurgeon for sure. seems like they just want to protect one of Dumba or Brodine. Uh, Brodine is also an, a free agent after the year, so... You know, they're not really in a position to be letting him walk for nothing. So they're basically going to be saying, okay, do we want to re-sign Brodeen or do we want to trade Dumba? And if, if you know, if Brodeen uh, either costs too much or they just prefer Dumba, then, like, there's a good reason why Brodeen will be available. I think the Leafs have the pieces for sure. Um, just the 15th pick alone for one year Brodeen is a pretty good deal for, for Minnesota for sure. Uh, I think any rental for the 15th pick is a great deal. The question for me is, uh, if you're the Leaves, is how much you want to give up for a rental? And then two, you know, can you extend him? I think this deal makes a lot more sense to both sides if you can extend Brodeen. Um, if you don't extend him until the last minute, then I guess you can kind of get out of the expansion draft thing, which would be nice. Um, like if, if he doesn't resign until after that. But I want to at least have a good sense of what he's going to cost. If he's going to come around the Muzzin deal, that's great. But then it's like, okay, what am I going to do to uh, going forward in the cap situation? Because Hyman's going to need a raise next year. Uh, you're probably paying, like, you have to find a goalie. And I, I think $5 million is a, a pretty good budget for a goalie. Um, I don't think you can go too much less than that. Um, like, what are you going to do, I guess, in order to get under the cap if you go and you trade for Brodeen? Um, that's I just don't know if it really fits, um, but he would be the perfect partner. I think when you look at Muzzin this year, when you think of every other defenseman on the Leafs, you think, okay, this guy would be best with Muzzin. Like, Hall played really well with him. I think if you look at, like, Lilligren or Riley or Barry, you'd be thinking, you know, I want them with a defensive presence like Muzzin. Brodeen is kind of the same way, so I just think he'd be a perfect player to pair with, whether it's Lilligren or whether it's Sandine, whether it's Travis Dermott. Uh, he's kind of the perfect fit. It's just a matter of how can I get under the cap? Like you probably have to move one of Kerfoot or Janssen then uh, for future years. And it is a little bit tricky, but I do think that he's on my short list along with, I'll say DeMello um, as my kind of top targets. Uh, Nick, what do you, I guess, I just want to get your last thoughts on Brodine and also Matt Dumba. Dumba's on the same team. Uh, he makes more. I don't. I think he's a little bit more offensive, so I don't know if he's as good as a fit. But his contract's three years, six million. Uh, what do you think about those two wild defenders? So when it comes to Dumba, I've seen some rumors that kind of link him to the Leafs. I'm not sure how much, you know, I, I put into it. But with Dumba, the, I just don't think it's the right move for the Leafs. Like you said, he's a little bit more offensive, a lot more offensive than Brodine. Um, not really great defensive impacts. The big thing with Dumba is that. Like I was talking about earlier, like having a, a player next to Riley that can really move the puck is really important to me. I think Dumba is a good puck mover. A lot of his 
zone exits are through possession zone exits, uh, where he's actually carrying the puck into the neutral zone, something that Riley also does. We saw that with Riley Berry, where that kind of caused a lot of tro- a lot of problems, where you have Berry who is you know pushing up the ice with the puck, and Riley also pinching up, and we saw a lot of problems due to that. So I just think if you get Dumba, you're just have a really similar player to Morgan Riley. Um, and we've seen that the Riley Barry, how that worked. Obviously, Dumba's a different player, but I think you're just getting a more expensive player um, who is locked up for a few years that really doesn't give Riley the type of defender that he needs. Yeah, I think he's just a little bit overrated. Um, I just think the cost to acquire him would be very significant, like way more than Brodeen. Three years of Dumba or one at Brodeen, I'd, I'd rather go for Brodeen. Um, you know, he's a good player. I just think, you know, when you get, when you have that much points, when you're physical, you're probably a bit overrated. I don't really want to pay 6 million. I certainly don't want to give up someone like Nylander. Uh, I just don't think it really fits. Um, let's move on to, um, I guess the other big one and the one I tweeted out today was Colton Pareko. I don't think they want to move him for obvious reasons. He's a great player. Uh, He's under contract for... For 5.5 million in the next two years, uh, I suggested a Riley for Pareko trade, um, largely because Pareko's on the right side, Petrangelo's on the right side. They also have Falk on the right side, who they just extended uh, for I think it's seven years at, at 6.5 million. Not a good contract, but you know they're playing Falk on their third pairing. I think they want to get him in the top four. Just kind of makes sense, like uh, from a lefty righty perspective, the Leafs get a right shot. The, the the Blues get a left shot. Uh, they both have the same term. Uh, Riley's a little bit cheaper, just by five hundred thousand, um, which makes it a little bit easier for for the Blues to to re-sign Petrangelo, but not by by a ton. Uh, Nick, what are your thought or your initial thoughts on a, a Riley for Pareko trade? That's a deal that I would strongly consider. I think I would pro- I would definitely do it. I just don't know if St. Louis would do it. Um, Pareko, again, kind of like Brodeen, is exactly what the Leafs need. Uh, has that Stanley Cup pedigree, obviously. Um, yeah, again, I just don't know if, if St. Louis would do it. Um, but if I'm the Leafs, like, you could have a really good top six. Like, you could go Muzzin Hall. Um, you could bump up Dermot and go Dermot Pareko and then Sandin Lettinen as your bottom pair. Like, the Leafs would look really good if, if they made that deal. I just don't know if St. Louis would do it. Yeah, I don't know if St. Louis would do it either. Um, so I think the other thing I suggested was maybe take on Bozak's deal, which is just five million for one year, and then you give them Kerfoot, which is you know three point five for a few years. You know that makes it like then St. Louis saves about two million in cap space. It does make it hard for the Leafs, like they're just right at the cap. They can probably just go one spare instead of you know one extra forward, one extra defenseman. But I think they can make it work. Um, it is just you know. I, I do think the Leafs might have to add a sweetener there, which, you know, that'd be my guess. But I, I, I I'd be interested in it. I think it's a. I just want to talk about Morgan Riley here, though, because I think that's the kind of the, the elephant in the room here. Is he's got two years left, uh, and there's a couple reasons for this. One is Riley's defensive impacts are are brutal. Uh, his offensive impacts are very good. He's a very good player. Uh, he had a bad year this year, but in the past, like, very, very good by things like goals against replacement. Like, he is a good player, don't get me wrong. The question, I guess the problem is, is that 
he kind of has the skill set that is going to get overrated in free agency, where he's like he if he has a seventy point year in his contract here, this guy's going to get like north of eight million. And I guess the question is like, do you want to pay him that? Um, for me, I'm I'm pretty scared of his next contract. Uh, so it's almost like the Frederick Anderson thing, where it's like, okay, if I'm not going to, going to extend him, do I think about moving him? Now it's not like the Leafs have to do it. They could easily uh, play the season out. They could easily play the whole contract out. But um, I do think that they at least should consider it. We're really not hearing anything about that. Uh, it's not that I don't like Morgan Riley. It's just that I think there's some opportunity there. Like you could get a haul for him. And the easiest way for this team to get better defensively, objectively, is to trade Morgan Riley for someone like Pareko or, or replace him like a Brodeen. Um, because you'd be going from a poor defensive player to a very good defensive player. It'd be a pretty big swing. Now, you'd be hurting your team offensively, and, and we definitely need to consider that. But uh, I, guess, I guess the question is, and I know we talked about this with Ian in the past, is, you know, I think we'd both at least be listening to, to offers on Riley. Is that is that where you're at? That's definitely where I'm at. I've kind of been a bit ad- advocate of it all season. Um, like I was saying earlier in this podcast, like the, the the funny thing with Riley is that overall he does give a ton of value to the Leafs, especially when you look at like Gar and War and stuff like that. Like he is definitely one of the better contracts on the team overall. But like you said, like that is going to get overvalued um, when you look around the league, especially in trade value and in free agency. So I think they would get a lot better from trading him. He is very good offensively, but the Leafs have a ton of forwards that are also very good offensively. I don't think that's ever been the concern with this team. And for all the people that will say, we need to trade Nylander for defensemen, we need to trade Marner for defensemen, um, or Tavares or whatever... Trading Riley, who's arguably worse defensively than all three of those forwards, would be a lot more beneficial for the Leafs. So uh, I'm definitely a big fan of going that route. Yeah, I think with Riley, um, it just it would really change the dynamic of the team. And I, I guess the big question I have is, are they planning on re-signing Morgan Riley? If the answer is yes, it makes a little bit more sense to keep him. I don't know if I'll like that extension personally, but uh, if they aren't planning on on resigning him, then maybe you uh, look to make a deal. I think the play, like if I was, if, if let's say the Leafs are going to have a huge offseason here and they're going to do it, I'd be more interested in getting someone like Brodeen, uh, just because I think he's cheaper than Pareko. Um, like I think you can get Brodeen without trading Riley, for example. Like I like the say the 15th pick and then you extend him. Um, that makes some sense to me. The... I just think that you could get a ton of value from Riley in a separate deal. Like, um, if you're trading Riley for like guys on like either draft picks or guys on their entry level contract, I think you're just going to get like a Kapanen deal. Yeah, I think you're just going to get a ton of value there, um, big time. And, and I think that's the play. Like, if I was, if if I was, you know, running things, I'd be looking at a guy like Brodeen, uh, signing up to an extension, something like the Muzzin deal. And then, you know, looking to, to trade Riley. You can either do it this year or you could do it next year. Uh, but this year is going to have more value just because he has two years rather than one. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I at least, if you're going to trade for Brodeen, I'd at least be prepared to trade Riley next year because 
you know, if you have Brady and you extend him and you have to protect him, like if, if Dermot has a big year for me, I probably want to at least inter- at least be open to the idea of trading Riley next offseason, at least have that option. Uh, it's just weird. We haven't heard anything about him. I think the Leafs like him. Uh, maybe it's, you know, a little bit unrealistic as a result, but uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get shocked here. I guess, Nick, is there any other trade targets around the league that uh, really stand out to you? And, and, you know, whether it's a veteran, whether it's a young player, uh, is there anyone else that comes to mind? Yeah, I'll quickly touch upon some of the ones that I've seen online. Um, Colin Miller is one guy, uh, former Sault Ste. Marie um, Greyhound. So he's now for, I think it's $3.8 million, playing with Buffalo right now. Uh, he's a player that I've been looking at. I don't know if, you know, since it's a trade with Buffalo, whether the whether the price goes up at all. But he's a player that I've been looking at, just really good defensive impacts, plays the game exactly how the Leafs are looking to play, especially just based on Dubas seems to like defensemen that are have a high hockey IQ, who can move the puck and skate. Colin Miller does all of those things. Um, with him, again, it's price. He's cost control for a couple of years, so that's nice. Let me, uh, let me jump in here. With Miller, so I love Miller. I've wanted to get him forever. I think the question is... Uh, a, you need them to retain because he's you know three point eight seven five. They have Ristolainen, they have uh, Henry Jokaharu, they have Montour if they bring him back. So they have quite a few options on the right side. They really need forwards. So you know maybe that's someone you can move Janssen or, or I think it would be Janssen, um, or or maybe like an Engvall or Mikaya for if they retain. But they'd have to retain. I like that option, but I've kind of given up hope just based on previous years. Uh, anyone else, Nick? Yeah, so next one will be Mackenzie Weger, someone that I know that you are a big fan of. I really wanted him last year, um, but I think this year, so he's a right shot that plays on the left side in Florida. Um, really good player, but I think since Quenville took over, I, I just don't think he's underrated anymore. I think Florida knows exactly how good he is. Um, they played him a lot in the top pair this year, so I just don't think he's a he's a... I've seen a lot online on Twitter and stuff like that this year. I just don't think he's a target anymore just because I think Florida is, is quite high on him. Would you agree with that? Uh, so I like Uyghur. I think he's – the issue with him is going to be cost. Um, as you said, I think because he played on the top pairing all year, I don't think they'll give him away easily. Um, and he is quite unproven still. So he's kind of like DeMello in that he had really good impacts this year, um, but he hasn't doesn't have the longest track record. Um, you know, I just don't know if there's a fit with Florida. Like, I don't know if they want to be trading him here, uh, based on the fact that they're kind of fighting for a playoff spot with the Leafs. Um, and then it's like, what do they want? Like, I think they'd want young forwards. I don't know if Kerfoot or Janssen would be enough. I don't know if they really want draft picks right now. Um, and then I don't really know what the extension would cost. Like if it's, uh, it, it, you might be better off just going after DeMello at that point. But it is, I'd be interested. It's just, you know, I, I do think that he might, you know, be a little bit too expensive in terms of trade price. But we'll see. It's a new general manager. We kind of, a little bit unpredictability. Uh, I think it's a good target. It's just, you know, it might be too expensive. Yeah. With yeah with Uyghur, my hopes are definitely a lot lower than they were before. Uh, next, I'll talk about Matt Roy. I wrote about him in my undervalued, um, underrated trade targets a few months ago during the quarantine. Um the thing with Los Angeles is that they're in a different spot than the Leafs. We've already seen them make a number of trades with the Leafs now. Um, so 
that is something that I, I think the Leafs could be looking into. Before I said that it would take quite a player for the Leafs to trade for LA to even consider moving Matt Roy. Um, I said like Kasperi Kapanen would be someone that they could start with uh, for Matt Roy. But now since the Kapanen deal and they got Hollander, they got that first round pick back. Um, I think they're a lot more equipped to make that a deal with LA. I'm still kind of fighting whether I would move that first round pick for Matt Roy. Um, right now he's still on a really cheap deal. He's on 700000 but you have to pay him in 21-22 as an RFA. Um, I think it's quite obvious that the LA is in is in rebuild mode. They have one of the best prospect pools in the league, if not the best. So I think the Leafs are a lot more equipped to make a deal for Matt Roy than they were before the Kapanen deal. Um, but the thing is, how much really uh, do you want to give for Matt Roy? But he's a fantastic player. I love watching him play. Just uh, not really on the bigger end, but just knows how to use his body to separate players from the puck. Good puck mover. I think he's a perfect pick for for um, Riley that maybe isn't ex- as expensive in terms of um, cap every year and also in, in what you have to trade for him. Okay, so with Roy, I'll say um, I think they really like him to start. Like, just the talk that's come out of the Kings that I've seen, like, they, they like him. I do think that, you know, they wouldn't, I don't think they do Kapanen for him. I think the 15th pick gives them a better chance. Uh, I guess my question with with the Kings is, you know, they're they're gearing up here. Like they're they're pretty close to going for the playoffs again. Uh, they have a ton of forward prospects and just forwards in general. Like they still have Kopitar, who's still good. You know, Alafalo is still pretty good. Kempe is still pretty good. Lazat is, is young. They have Gabriel Velarde. Uh, they have Turcotte, who was their first-round pick last year, and they had Kelly of last year. I think it was last year. Uh, they went and traded for Tyler Madden. They have a Kill Thomas, Samuel Fagamo. They have tons of forwards. Um, if they go and they get a, a forward at number two this year, whether it's Byfield or Stutzla, you know, they're, they're pretty set on forward. Uh, I think they're kind of running with Quick and, and Peterson. Um, you know, I think they'll, they're going to be very focused on their defense and, you know, you know, he's 25. He can help them for the foreseeable future. It's kind of a challenge trade. Like, I don't know if I want to give up the 15th pick for him. Uh, he, it is just one cheap year before he's an RFA. And, you know, the Leafs cap problems are kind of multi-year. So it would help him this year. I don't know how much it helps him in the future. I haven't really seen enough of him to say if I do it or not. Uh, it is interesting. Um, it's just, I did hear that the Kings are... Um, considering Drysdale at two, which is a right-shooting defenseman. Ooh, um, that'd be interesting. J.D. Burke said it, I think, yesterday. I also heard it separately. I just don't know if we heard it from the same source. Um, but I think... I still think they're going to go Stutzler by field. Like, I'm leading Stutzler for them. Um, but if if they do go Drysdale, and they go, okay, we're going to have Doughty Drysdale as our future of the right side, maybe maybe they're considering that. So it is an interesting option. Might depend on what their plans are. Uh, I'm not too confident in Matt Roy, but it is a it is a good target, I think. Well, at least at least it's someone to at least keep in mind. I don't know if it's likely, but it's a it's a good name to, to kind of throw out there. Anyone else, Nick? Uh, those are my big ones. I talked about Ilya Labushkin in the past. He's kind of lowering him right now, just because I think Dermot's going to take a big step. He's a lot on the cheaper end. Mm-hmm. Um, 
than a lot of the guys we've talked about. Arizona's going to have to make a move. They're kind of in a, a bit of a, a crunch. I wouldn't really say like like the Leafs are, but just they have a ton of defensemen, um, right-shooting defensemen that are kind of locked in. Um, Jarmusson's got a no-move clause. Demers has, I think it's modified. Glogoski's got a modified. Um, so, they, and then Labushkin's obviously an RFA. So I don't think he's going to cost a lot in terms of what his next contract looks like. But I would definitely inquire to see what the price is there. He's a player who was sheltered to a certain extent on the third pair. Um, like I was talking about earlier, I don't think that... I think next year having good depth is going to be extremely important. Just we don't really know what the season's going to look like, um, how they're going to do the bubble. So I think depth's going to be important. And... You know, it's tough to say with these third-pairing defensemen have, that have good metrics whether they can jump up into the top four. Um, sometimes we think it's a lot more linear than it really is, and a good example with that is Travis Dermott, someone who really crushed his third-pairing sheltered minutes. And I wouldn't say he struggled in the top four, but definitely not the the kind of progression that we expected. And like you said, defensemen do take a little bit longer, but Labushkin is 26 right now, so he, he kind of is what he is, but... With him, he would be a player that, if he's a physical guy, he's he's good defensively. He kind of just gives you a cushion, whether you put him on the third pairing, whether you try him out next to Riley. He kind of just gives you a little bit more flexibility, but definitely on the lower end in terms of certainty that he can play top four out of our trade targets. Yeah, he, he's kind of in the, the boat of like... Uh, uh... Maybe like Trevor Van Riemsdyk or, you know, on the free agent route, Mark Pizek. Like, I think he's... right more of a depth option. I, I'm not opposed to that, especially um, because you could, what you could do, and I think it's an interesting option, is like you go out and get someone like, you know, like a, a cheaper option, and then you see how it goes. You see if Dermot takes a step forward. Um, and then at the deadline, you always have your, your 2021 first trade uh, if, if you want to go and get a defenseman or a 2020 or a second round pick or a prospect. Um so you could then make the the deal at the at the deadline after you have a look at it. I think Dubis would take some heat at the start of the season, but like I don't know, he probably doesn't care. So <laughs> if if I'm him, I think that's another move I'd be considering. Is just let's let's go out, let's get a guy like Trevor Van Riemsdyk like for cheap. We'll, we'll see we'll see how it goes. We'll see if we can get a good underrated player, and if it's not looking good, uh, we'll make a big deal at the deadline. Um, yeah, so I think that's an option too. I think. Just when I look at this offseason now, it's almost like selfish of me that I don't know if I want the Leafs to trade that first pick now for a, for a defenseman unless he's really, really good because just how much fun I've been having like just learning these these uh, this next draft class. like It's so much more fun when you have a first-round pick, especially in the top 15, um, especially with this draft class of how deep it is. Like is. I'm almost being selfish where I don't want the Leafs to move it and I want them to find a defenseman without having to move to move that pick. Yeah, I would much rather trade the 21, 21 first just because it's a a it's a better draft this year and b um, b you get the player sooner because he's going to be a year older. Um, and then c it's you're you're probably not going to have a pick that early next year. So I just think I'd much rather trade the 2021 first. Um, I'd like to keep that pick unless it's like Brodeen with an extension or, you know, a really quality player. 
uh, or, or it could be any position as long as it's like a, a really good player on, on good value. That's basically what, it, what I'm looking for. Um, I do think they'll keep it. Uh, I guess the other the other options I'll go through here quickly. Um, Josh Manson, I think he makes some sense. I think the price will probably be too high. If I was Anaheim, I'd be moving him, but it doesn't seem it seems like they love him, so I don't really know if that's a great target. Um, with the expansion draft and everything, like I wouldn't want to give up the 15th pick for him and then um, you know have to protect him in the ex- in the expansion. I think that's too much for two years of him. Um, I'd rather just kind of go the free agency route and get someone like Demello at that point. I think uh, Helmerson I like uh, for a couple reasons. One is I think they could they'd retain so. Uh, he's got a $5 million cap hit, but if they retain, say, 50%, then it's just 2.5. One year, try him out, uh, cheap. They really need draft picks because they lost, A, in the Hall trade, and then B, with the with the whole you know draft workout scandal, they lost a pick. Uh, so I think that really makes sense because you know Arizona really needs picks. Helmerson's like a, a, tr- a very good penalty killer, very prototypical defensive defenseman. Uh, I just think the fit really makes sense if they retain. Um, so I'll put him in uh, kind of the short list. Uh, I don't really think Connor Murphy makes a ton of sense just because uh, Chicago really needs defense, so I don't know if that's a great uh, fit. Someone like Yoga Haru, I'd be all over if he uh, was available. I don't think he necessarily will be. I think that's kind of like Matt Roy where, you know, do you want to trade the 15th pick for him? Maybe. You can consider it. You can put him on the list. I just don't know if that's all that likely. Um, and then... Savard on on the Blue Jackets, one year left. I don't think he's going to be available. I just think he had, you know, he's been too good for Columbus. If he is, maybe consider it. Like someone like Nudavara is not the best. He doesn't really kill penalties, so like I think you're going kind of going to the bargain bin at that point. Uh, I think we pretty much went through everyone. Like even like a Josh Brown on Florida, I don't mind. It's just, you know, that's again kind of the bargain bin. Not really your your prototypical top four guy. Just another option. And then Adam Larson, I guess, is the last guy. Uh, $4 million, I'd probably rather just go the free agent route than give up a ton of trade. He might be like an option, you know, option D or option E if, if nothing else works. Uh, but I uh, think we kind of went through everyone. So I think... Yeah, I'll quickly say Matt Benning is another guy that we've kind of seen right. thrown around quite a bit. Uh, I kind of put him in the pool of... Um, maybe to a certain extent, Ilya Labushkin, guys like Troy Stetcher, guys that you, you don't really know whether they can play that top pair. I mean, sorry, that the top four next to Riley. I don't really think he's a really a, a perfect guy to play there. Um, but just kind of going the cheaper option, someone that you kind of take a chance and it is more for depth. Yeah, so I think my top choice right now would be like, you go get Brodeen. Like I would, my top choice is like, Dealing Riley for a, like a, a complete haul, like a no-brainer haul, and then going out and get someone like um, Brodeen to kind of replace him, and, and you have all that cap space. Um, that's kind of my first choice. Assuming that doesn't happen, I'm, I'm I think Brody's probably too expensive. I'd be interested in Demello if he can structure the contract the way I like it. Um, and then after that, I'm probably more leaning towards either Halmerson um, for a pick or someone like Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, a cheap free agent, and then if it doesn't work, if, if no one steps up, then you go and you make a move at, at the deadline. I kind of like the, uh, that's kind of where I'm at at least. Um, I think, you know, Petrangelo's unlikely. Brody's might be too expensive. Um, you know, we already said, like, guys like Krug don't really make much sense. 
I think we did a pretty good uh, review of, of the defense options here, Nick. Anyone else? Or, or... Yeah, we're, we're, we're self-evaluating here, and I think we're giving ourselves good marks. So hopefully the listeners are also uh, easy on us like we are. But um, I'll kind of turn kind of turn the attention to the draft a little bit. I know that you and I are going to do a mock draft sometime closer to it. Um, one thing that I think, I, I really want them to keep the pick, um, but one thing that I think is in the books, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're going to keep the pick until kind of the very end. I have on my board around 11 players that I would be extremely happy if the Leafs got them. But I don't think they're going to fall to them. And, and so that's going to be Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, Perfetti, Raymond, Drysdale, Rossi, Holtz, Sanderson, Askarov, and Lindell. So right now, you virtually need one of the top 14 play uh, teams sorry, to, to overlook one of those 11 players if I'm Toronto. I think if, if one of those 11 players players drop to Toronto, I think they're definitely going to keep the pick. I could see them, if all those players are taken, which I think they will be, I could see them trading down because I think it's a lot more kind of open after that. Um, definitely in my rankings anyways. Um, I could see them trading down to a little bit lower and, and kind of doing like a, a Sandine trade where they traded their first for, uh, I can't even remember what team they traded it with. But anyways, they got Sandion Durg and Chensev as well. Uh, they got an extra third-round pick for that. So I could see that. Do you see that as well? I could definitely see them trading down. I have uh, basically a, a pretty clear top 14. Um, I'm okay. all the way at 14, which is a pretty safe pick. Um, so I'd even be okay with trading down then. I don't really know if they have a guy they love. I really like Amirov and, and I like Seth Jarvis as well. But yeah, I could see them trading down if they keep it for sure. Um, again, it's it's kind of a... That's a draft question, like who's available. You could also trade up if, if you know, someone like Raymond was there at 11 or something. I'd be considering that too. Right. Um, you know, packaging your second or, or whatever. Um, you know, I think either makes sense. It's just you got to kind of see the draft board. Uh, I want to leave you with one trivia question here, Nick. Are you ready for this trivia question? I think I'm shooting like 50% on trivia questions thus far this year on this podcast. This is a, this so. is a hard one to get exact. It's just let's see how close you can get. How many NHL defensemen who are <laughs> Lilligren's age or younger, so a 99 born or younger, and played 50 okay. games this year or more? So that's 50 games this year or more. You have to be born in 1999 or later. 1999, sorry, so that means they are 21? Uh, yes. Uh, 50 games or more, I'm trying to... Th- 50 games or more... And you have to be born in 1999 or younger. So Makar, Hughes, uh, I think Iskinen's probably, I think it was the same draft. I'm going to go with five. Oh, you're close. Four. So Makar's... Oh, I'll take that. Makar's older. He's 98. He's that okay. draft. He's just a late birthday. So it's Rasmus Dahlin, Quinn Hughes. Well, I'll take that if Makar was that close. Rasmus Dahlin, Quinn Hughes... Miro Heiskinen and Henry. Okay, Heiskinen knows close. Henry Yokoharu. So there are some like Anna Boquist that have played forty. Uh, some younger guys, Noah Dobson. Um, but in terms of fifty plus, not too many. Just four, and they're all exception at Yokoharu. They're all stars. So uh, yeah, it's uh, just 
point, we're going to have to be patient with Holgren. It's my uh, going away <laughs> message here. It's crazy with Yoka Haru. He's been in the league for so long. It's, it's crazy that he's as young as those other guys. Yeah. Or yeah. around the same age. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the other guy, when I was looking at this, the guy that really stands out is Ekblad. He's a 96. I can't believe he's a 96. Um, like, he's two years younger than Riley. I don't know why. I just thought he was about Riley's age. Two years younger. He's, he's like, Engvall's age. Um, <laughs> he's younger than Trevor Moore, for example. So, I don't know. That's just a good uh, a good kind of parting trivia question here, Nick. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see everybody soon. <laughs>